and and that's where I kind of start with is is you know when I'm out and about, no matter where I am, I'm talking to folks. It could be in in my restaurants, or it could be in um, uh, you know in in the healthcare world. But what I'm always looking at is what's not working. So yesterday, as I'm talking to these clinical coordinators, medical assistants for our company, and they were telling me about the blocks of where they are and not not getting to their patients or not able to bill for their visits. And then then it's something so simple. And so, you know, I went back to her and I said, she said, well, can you coach me through how do I talk to people about chronic care management and, and in order for them to sign up for it? And I said, it's as simple as this. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name's Jamie and uh, we're here with Scott Middleton, the Chief Disruption Officer. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great, Jamie. Nice, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's beautiful in South Carolina. It's the best time of year around here, and uh, we're we're excited about all the new changes going on at House Calls and Main Street Physicians, and soon to be Your Health, which we've talked about on this podcast some, and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I really am excited. I think Your Health does say to everybody that you know you need to be worried about Your Health. We need to help you with your health, and um, we need to we need to look at proactively what goes on with patients, and and we can do it in any way, whether it's at home, whether it's in an office setting, whether it's telemedicine, um, and it's got to be a combination of all of those. I've been watching across the country how people are continuing to roll out and utilize telehealth, um, and and it's been amazing to watch the government entities and and others who were so adamantly opposed four years ago to telehealth are now embracing it and saying this has been the best thing to happen to the American healthcare system was the ability to talk to a provider for a provider to legitimately be able to bill for those services and to take care of patients. Um, now, Uh, I think at the end of the day, again, it's going to increase the spending in primary care, but it's certainly going to reduce the spending, you know, overall for catastrophic things. Um, But I was uh, this week and I'll give you a great example of of some of the failures of our system. But I was talking with a gentleman. He was 53 years old. Um, He does not have a primary care provider. he does he has only a catastrophic health insurance program because he's he works for a small company they only have 12 uh employees they don't provide health insurance and he doesn't have a spouse that he can jump on to their health insurance program so he went out and bought a, a, pro, a policy that cost him about three thousand dollars a year and it basically covers hospitalizations and that's it yeah. everything else he pays for out of pocket but he said, you know, legitimately, Scott, if I had to go out there and buy health insurance, it would have cost me. He said my price at being 53 years old was over uh, over $12,000 a year. So he said I can buy this hospitalization program for three. And then knowing that I've got a, the out-of-pocket expenses, I just know I have to pay for that. But I think what he didn't really understand at the end of the day was okay that's great but what if you get cancer and you need chemotherapy treatments Mm -hmm. those aren't going to be covered under an inpatient and now you're talking about you know hundred two three hundred thousand dollars worth of expenses 
that mm-hmm. could go through over the the course of the next year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those kind of policies, I call them bankruptcy policies. They're just keeping you, if you have a hospitalization, they keep you from going bankrupt at the end of the year because you don't have a it, massive it, bill. Or, or it may or may not. You know, yeah. I remember when my mother um, was get, with her breast cancer, she had a pill that they needed her to take, or maybe it was a shot, but it was, it would be done in the doctor's office billed under part B. So that wouldn't be a hospitalization piece of it. And it was going to cost $20,000 a month. Yeah. Um, I've got another friend who has cancer and, and Medicare is paying out $28,000 for a pill that will save her life. And so what I realized is that he, with this guy, I said, well, well, at least you ought to get some blood work done. And he said, yeah, I apply for life insurance every year. And so I get all my blood work done by the life insurance company. Mm. Wow. And so I'm thinking, okay, there's so much wrong with this system. We're still broken for a certain group of people. And this is for a very white collared position. This guy makes good money. He was trying to put together what he thought financially made sense. So he, he also said, I need to have a colonoscopy, but you know, I haven't. And I said, well, why don't you do Coltagard? Because that's a cheaper alternative, but it's also one that we will actually use. You know, I've had a lot of providers who say, well, I don't know about Coligard because, um, you know, it's really not going to see everything is at 100%. The problem with the colonoscopy is people just don't go get it. Mm-hmm. They put it off, put it off because you're going to spend three days drinking the drink, you know, having to be put under for them to do the colonoscopy. So it's a it's an ordeal that's not only expensive for people but time consuming. So we've got to still make healthcare more available, and especially looking at how we're going to get to, I'm going to say, younger populations of the 50 to 65 year olds, mm-hmm. because those are the guys that are kind of ruining their health right now, um, for the sake of of um, because they don't have good health insurance, but that's what's going to be very costly to us down the road um, as a as a society when they do hit Medicare and how much how much money that's going to cost. So if we could start doing preventative, and I think that's going to be what we do well, at least with our primary with with our house calls division, we're so in front of the patient constantly. Now, how do we help people? who are younger than 65 understand that we need to be in front of you to prevent Mm -hmm. these things from happening down the road. I mean, you think of our system now, Scott, which we have very chronically sick patients and we're doing well care with them and keeping them out of the hospital. Can you imagine what you could do with a 50 year old who's in pretty good health? You know, what could you do with that population to save money 10, 20 years down the road. Well, and as an example, that's where it's going to be so valuable for having our health coaches as part of those teams. But unfortunately, the commercial division, you know, insurances generally don't pay for that. Now, I have heard Blue Cross Blue Shield will pay for a health coach. Um, We just have to get them certified or through Blue Cross Blue Shield to be able to do that. But that can be a big benefit 
for those folks, but having that health coach, having those exercise classes. So as we're rolling in our health directors, uh, our wellness directors that are coming in to do exercise programs, getting every one of our patients enrolled somehow in a program like that is going to be extremely important. Yeah, it really, really is. I mean, I, I believe with, with the health coach and the community health worker, we're going to see an incredible impact on this system. And, and we'll 10 years from now, you're going to be able to go back, open up power BI two point or 5.0, whatever it is then. <laughs> and you're going to be able to say, yeah, we save millions and millions of dollars because of those roles and those positions. Well, and we can see that now, you know, we're, we're seeing it especially because we haven't been good as most doctors are in capturing all the risk adjustment factors. Um, and until we do that, we really can't start looking at, all right, get now getting more proactive to say, you know, my goal would be in five years that we should be able to look at a patient and get a pop-up warning that this guy's getting ready to go to the hospital or he's getting ready to have problems because of his um, social determinants of health, you know, whether it's age or location and that, plus what we're seeing in his remote patient monitoring, um, you know, events, plus the medications he's on could all point us into a direction uh, of this is getting ready to be a crash and burn. So we could call a patient and say, hey, you need to come in because we anticipate that there could be some other things wrong with you. Let's get let's get this done proactively so we can keep you out of that hospital. Mm -hmm. but, but the system has to be there to pay for it. And so I know in our in our um, partners meeting this past week, there was some frustration because, you know, uh, related to social workers and and and, you know, all the social workers could be much more effective by sending them directly to the homes. But from a financial standpoint, there's not enough pay, ability to pay and bill for that. Um, but, but we need to start putting those pieces together to do that. I'm convinced the utilization of chronic care management um, for patients, commercial patients, will bring a huge cost savings to employers um, out there over time. Uh, if we can, if we had a way to bill for all the stuff that's being done by the non-providers. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, it's been a game changer for our company and for our patients now that we are able to do chronic care management through the utilization of health coaches. But, you know, I, I talked to a um, clinical coordinator yesterday and, and we were talking, I said, I want to know why your productivity is so low. And she said, well, Scott, so many of my patients don't have chronic care management. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, they opted out of it. And she said, I had a guy, I was on the phone with him for 46 minutes. And I said, no, ma'am, because he says, I don't want you to bill Medicare for the services that you're providing. Then why are you providing the service? Mm. If he's not, if, and it's not whether he's willing to pay for it. It was really that his, that Medicare is going to pay for this. But what happened is there was a provider out there. I can tell you because I knew, I knew the, the, the provider. And when, when we first started doing chronic care management, she was so convinced that prolonged service codes paid her more that she mm. convinced her patients to not take chronic care management. Mm. And so now those are the patients that cannot get calls from our clinicians, cannot have a pharmacy consult, cannot have behavioral health 
because they chose not to allow us to bill Medicare for that. Hmm. So and it's sad because here it was a provider who supposedly is 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 destined to war, want to take care of a patient, but because of her own inability to understand has now caused health damages to her mm-hmm. patients by not getting them the services they need. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. That's, that's frustrating. I mean, the, I, I don't know if they take the same oath as a doctor, but that's do no harm. <laughs> and, exactly. And they really were, they didn't think they were, but it, but the bad part of it is it came out of, of selfishness mm-hmm. of I can build. And it was like, they thought, and it was they weren't correct, but they thought they could build two dollars more an encounter by by doing this, by not putting these people in chronic care management. Wow. And and so I blame myself that I didn't help to roll it out better, you know, for people to understand. But it also goes back to no, no matter what we do, people are resistant to change. Mm-hmm. You know, they they just don't know how to handle change. Look at how many. And it can be good things. Look how many people win the lottery only to be broke again in two mm-hmm. to three years. Yeah. Um, because they they couldn't handle the change, even though it was a very positive change of the influx of money. Yeah, that's that's an interesting topic. You know, even positive change causes and can wreak havoc on people. They just don't know how to deal with it. You know, what what has made you so adaptable to change scott you know i i just always see where the problem lies Mm -hmm. and and that's where i kind of start with is is you know when i'm out and about no matter where i am i'm talking to folks it could be in in my restaurants or it could be in um uh you know in in the healthcare world but what i'm always looking at is what's not working so yesterday as i'm talking to these clinical coordinators, medical assistants for our company, and they were telling me about the blocks of where they are and not not getting to their patients or not able to bill for their visits. And then then it's something so simple. And so, you know, I went back to her and I said, she said, well, can you coach me through how do I talk to people about chronic care management mm. and, and in order for them to sign up for it? And I said, it's as simple as this. Mrs. Smith, we have new paperwork. I'm going to send the paperwork out from your community health worker uh, next week, and I just need you to sign it and get it back so we can continue to see you. Mm-hmm. And I That's said, it. everything you need, including chronic care management, is in there. And I said, now, if you want to get started on it quicker, like with the gentleman yesterday she spent 46 minutes with, but she wasn't able to bill for, what you could do is to say, hey, Miss Smith, we got new paperwork. I'm going to send it out next week, but I need to get your verbal consent, and I'm just going to read you a list of things that we that that, are, that is in the consent. So do you give us consent to bill Medicare for all of the services that we can offer under primary care services that Medicare allows? Well, of course, she's going to say yes. That includes chronic care management. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get separate permission 
if they've already given you the ability to bill anything that Medicare allows us to do. Yeah. So we we took mm-hmm. that and and misinterpreted that whole thing. Um, yeah. But but that's as simple as that. Then you can check the boxes. She could have billed her forty six minutes yesterday for the gentleman. But you know what was sad about it is he's ninety five years old. He lives home alone. Um, he doesn't really understand any of that as mm-hmm. as most of us don't. Right. You know, I I dare to say we've got employees that don't really understand mm-hmm. how this works or why. Um, so we got to look at the blocks. Which which so what it embraces me is where's the block from taking the best care of our patients possible mm-hmm. and then let's unblock it. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't necessarily telling him what he's going to get. It was more telling him, this is what you're going to miss out on. You know, you're going to, do you want to miss out on all these services? Do you want your services to be limited? Nobody wants their services to be limited. They want the full scope of what they can get. And at the end of the day, they're going to be missing out on all of that. Exactly. But I did tell them, I said, here's what's going to have to happen. You've got to stop. You cannot continue to do things for patients where there's not an ability to bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it goes back to like Medicaid. The one thing I have been committed to is we continue to see Medicaid patients, although mm-hmm. they don't really reimburse much for chronic care management. They'll do 40 minutes, but that's not enough to make an impact. So um, so what but but I'm committed to let's go ahead and do what we have to, because I'm trying to gather data on our Medicaid patients so I can take it back because that's a state program and mm-hmm. state funded program, I can go back to health and human services and, and say, let let me show you why you need to be paying for this yeah. and, and how much it's money it's really going to save you and how much money we saved you by doing this. Um, but it's like pharmacy, you know, um, you know, most people don't understand the necessity of a pharmacist to do anything but yet we know that that's the most significant thing we do in a month is a pharmacy review or consultant in terms of saving money. Mm-hmm. So you, if you can't build chronic care management or you can't get a hold of the patient to do a visit with them, and again, if they do a visit, they're only being paid for their medical decision making, which is about 10 minutes worth of review. But if they can't build the charts, get put things together um so in the commercial world generally commercial insurances pay a lot higher dollar amounts uh than medicare does which will help to compensate it for it so example you know we've talked before blue cross blue shield might pay a hospital two and a half times the medicare allowable but there may be certain things under medicare they can't bill or under the commercial insurance they couldn't bill for Mm -hmm. but they're making up for it in that higher rate Unfortunately, in our practice, we've never had enough commercial patients to negotiate really good rates because 90, 90% of our patients are Medicare, 5% are Medicaid, and only 5% commercial. So our reimbursement rate for, for a patient coming commercially is only Medicare allowable. Right. So if we can't build chronic care management or we can't build these other things, then we're not going to be able to provide those services unfortunately these businesses have poor insurance policies Mm -hmm. so over the next year my goal is to start working with business leaders so that they truly understand that they could have a better product Mm -hmm. um it and it's not being designed correctly for them by the traditional insurance companies yeah wow 
Yeah, I think I think that could be amazing. Like, you know, if business leaders knew, oh, hey, we'll we'll provide your health care, you know, for your employees. You know, this is what you'll pay. This is what we're going to help you save. I think a lot of businesses will be completely open to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and essentially that's what you're doing with us, Scott. You're you are you've turned our, you know, employees into value based, you know, you know, insured employees, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things that you've just recently done and implemented with our employees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I, I think we continue to work, um, you know, as hard as we can, Mm -hmm. um, to, to, um, put those pieces together. Um, to, to initiate the changes that need to be made out there um, and to get the word out that preventative care is is really much better at the end of the day than than waiting around until you get sick because it's going to be more costly to you over time. Preventative care is actual care at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, Scott, great. thanks so much for being on the podcast. All right, thanks, and, uh, Jamie. You have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, thanks. a lot. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at thedisruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Stop, and the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.